All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 155 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. Holiday season is often rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from the MMA to international soccer. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code Believe. For your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. All right, Mots, we uh, you know this we're recording this before Turkey Day. Uh, we have a great interview on tap for you guys with uh, our buddy Joey Vitale, uh, you know, former Northeastern player, played for the, the Penguins and the Coyotes, and currently works as the uh, St. Louis Blues color commentator. So just a great guy, but. Uh, anything else to catch up on before we get to the interview, Mott? No, just looking forward to uh, a nice Thanksgiving with the family like we chatted about. And, you know, hopefully the weather, you know, kind of holds off for the, the golf tomorrow. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, what you'll, a great interview with uh, with you, Joe. You'll grind. You'll grind either way. I'm a mutter. I'm a mutter. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a great fact. interview with Joe. Uh, real engaging and just had some really good nuggets you know yeah. in my opinion so hope everyone enjoys the interview with uh joe vitale this interview with joe vitale is brought to you by tsr hockey located in tax-free salem new hampshire we can stock up on all your equipment needs for the remainder of the hockey season tsr tsr stocks team apparel from ccm and bauer and does everything in-house embroidery and printing you can reach them at their team store at 603-912 5970 ask for mike or dave and they will take care of you now is the time to give them a buzz to talk about how your team can upgrade your gear wear and swag game tsr hockey is new england's premier hockey store and a proud sponsor of the rink shrinks so be sure to check out tsrhockey.com for all your shopping needs and tell them the shrink sent you Franklin Sports is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. And our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast was a four-year player at Northeastern University. He went on to have an NHL career with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Arizona Coyotes. He's currently a color analyst for the St. Louis Blues. Got a Stanley Cup ring out of the deal. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Joe Vitale. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. What's going on? Yeah, I got that ring somewhere. My kids uh, brought it to show and tell. I haven't seen it. It's been like two years, so I should probably <laughs> relocate that thing at some point. But uh, no, it's good to good to be here, Brian, Mike, and a huge fan of the podcast. And when you texted me today about coming on, I got all geeked up about it. I canceled all my plans in Arizona to talk to you great fellas. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. I... Couldn't win one playing, but I was a part-time scout with the Chicago Blackhawks, and I got a ring because of it. And I'm like, ah, I, I can't be wearing this thing around. Yeah. And it's like, ah, it's at my buddy's house. When Mots I was has it on a chain right now. 
part-time scout <laughs> well it, it's true it's like I, I i would wear it like i went to one one occasion and this old lady came up to me and she's like look at that big ring i was like oh you like that yeah it's a stanley cup whatever else brag and she's like now are you a player i was like well not exactly she's like are you a coach i'm like well no i'm like i'm kind of a broadcaster and she's like for the tv i'm like no, no. kind of radio <laughs> And she's like, radio? I didn't even think we still had radios. I go, yeah, believe it or not, don't tell my boss, but yeah, for sure. So I, so I realized at that moment I should probably stop wearing it. Yeah, just uh, give it to the kids for show and tell. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, well, Joe, obviously, you know, we played against uh, uh, each other in college, and uh, you play with my brother in, in Arizona, and just a hard-nosed player and, and you know, just like – you really did. You were a competitive guy, and it's it's always great catching up with you. I know we had some a lot of laughs throughout the years, but like, talk to us about the early roots uh, growing up. Uh, you know, you know, St. Louis area kid. Like, what was youth hockey like? That experience like for you? Yeah, it was very different, Bri, than than it is now. You know, today St. Louis youth hockey is it's exploded. I'm sure yes. you guys have seen it because you guys have young hockey players and you've gone through that. And, you know, St. Louis uh, certainly has turned a corner. I think the, you know, two big things happened. I think number one, the Blues win the cup in 19. But then before that, I think it was the 16 draft where five players locally mm -hmm. from St. Louis got drafted in the first round, including, you know, Kachuk and obviously Clayton Keller and a couple of the guys, Luke Cunning. So I think that that, got the parents a little bit of a bug in their in their head where they're like wow my kid can make it to the nhl like all these other kids because it's happening everywhere so i think that that really caught on um st louis is a great place to retire and raise a family so you see a ton of alumni stay here it's you know pretty cheap cost of living wayne gretzky still lives here uh, I remember he was asked once why, you know, it's a great sports town, but people, it's not crazy enough where, where people will still leave you alone at the grocery store. So it's like a really nice balance. Yeah. So and I, I say that because there's a lot of great, you know, former pro coaches that are now in town. And so it's very different than the landscape I grew up with. I mean, I grew up, there was, you know, four or five youth teams. There was 30 kids per organization. My dad was a coach. He poured concrete for a living. We had, there was no hockey expertise. Um, he had like one of those, uh, vanilla like a manila notebooks like and he was just trying to keep track of lines i'm like yelling at my dad i'm like dad you're all out of order and he's got concrete on his boots he has no idea what's going on <laughs> and um but the parents loved him because he was reliable and he could just show up you know and he yeah. was you know semi-tempered and everything so that was great but no we had no skill development knew how to nothing. smooth out the pavement too we, exactly it's all he knew how to do um but you know we had we had just some sandpaper kids around my era. So Cam Jansen was a year ahead of me. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up playing up up a year to play with him and my brother. And so, we, you know, Cam was kind of a trailblazer uh, for all of us. Uh, I went to school with Paul Stastny. So me and him kind of grew up together. So that was the, kind of the first generation of kids. And But it, it's just very different now. I think it's a lot more pressure on these kids. I think it's pressure to win, pressure to be on good teams, pressure to, you know, uh, be around the rink all the time, um, you know, uh, these kids at a very young age are like, you know, getting into one sport like hockey, very, very yeah. young, um, which was very different than growing. I mean, I played high school football. I was going to go play college in Nebraska football and I quit hockey my senior year and, and I ended up coming back. So it was just, it was just very different, you know, and, but. You know, so you like, were going to wait, you can't just like glance over that. <laughs> so yeah. You were going to play college football at Nebraska. So I was talking, my coach was talking to uh, Nebraska about me going to play college football. I was a sophomore. I was a starting linebacker. I love football. 
And I got a really bad concussion at the beginning of my sophomore year. And I was just like done for the year. And I started like rethinking all this stuff and I wasn't going to grow much more. And, and then kind of got the itch to go back to hockey. And that's how it was. You guys are probably the same way. It's like you went from baseball to hockey to lacrosse. Yeah. Like I just, I kind of bounced around. And so I got that concussion and it probably was a good thing. Cause then I kind of focused more on hockey, but then I quit senior year and, and then I picked it right back up after, after high school to go play junior in Sioux Falls. So, you know, it's just, I, I try to like remember that about how, you know, every road, every route is different for different kids. And, uh, but it's definitely with my young, I, my two old, my three oldest all play, play the sport now. So um, as you guys know, playing the sport, it, it could be hard at times to have that like unlearning, like yeah. beginner's mindset about not be so focused on how you did it or what you learned in the day, because, because it's just, it's changed so much. Right. Yeah, you talked about a couple of people at like an earlier age, you know, your dad just being there and really providing his uh, expertise to the best of his ability and, you know, a pair and Cam Jansen. Were there any other influences? Like <clears throat> like you mentioned, there's you know, like an Al McGinnis and, you know, uh, Kachuk there now. But was there anyone that kind of stands out to your early influence of, you know, kind of providing some insight into the game and maybe a coach or, you know, someone that was in the area when you're a younger player? Yeah. So like, so Peter Stastny, he was one of our coaches growing up. Like I said, I went to school with Paul and I remember, do you guys ever go to Pee Wee Quebec? You remember that tournament? Yeah. Yeah. He, so he, well, one of us is a, uh, a Pee Wee Quebec champion. I'm guessing it's you, Mike. No. No. Oh man. All right. I thought you were setting yourself up for that one. Um, no, we, we his father to... ran a construction company too. So. It was too expensive to go. Seriously. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Hey, go. you you ain't kidding. I mean, my my hey, my 2011 team just like qualified from around here. The my youngest team, so we're going in February. So we're, I, I'm looking forward to it. it. It's it's a great tournament, and you mentioned it, Moss. It's expensive. Like there's fundraisers every year for the team they yeah. send from St. Louis. Uh, I was fortunate to go, but Peter Stasny was our coach, and I didn't realize it at the time. But Paul's on our team and Peter's our coach. Well, we're going back to Quebec when like Peter right. is like a complete like legend up there. So we show up at the cause of the Coliseum, I think the rink yes, is yep. called. Yep. And our first game, it is like standing room only. For the and coach. every effort because <laughs> they wanted to see Peter and they want to see his son Paul. Oh, that's so cool. I don't even know how much the Coliseum holds, but it's I mean, I just remember seeing like people for like waves for miles, it seemed like uh entrances, police escorts. So that was kind of my first taste in like, wow, this Peter Sass, he's kind of a big deal. And, um, you know, he, he just had this like really just poised, like stoic presence about him. That's what I remember the most, but he was really good about just teaching us, but also just like building that relationship with us. And that's what I like remember the most. And that's what I try to remember about now coaching. You know, I, one of my greatest mentors was Ryan O'Reilly's dad, Brian, I don't know if you've heard of his story, but yeah. uh, he's he's an incredible like life coach and performance coach, and I've talked to him on the side a ton, and that and that's his whole thing. You know, when you talk about kids and new sports, you're really just trying to get close to the kid. You're trying to get close to the player. You know, if you want to get a lot out of a player, 
you just have to build that relationship and build that trust with them. And we, we've all had coaches and, and teammates alike where if you like someone, like if you like the coach you're, you're playing in front of, you'll go through a wall for them. You'll do anything for them. Right. And, and on the flip side, it's the opposite. If, if you have a guy yelling, I mean, it's, it's relationships in general. Like you go home, you yell at your wife because you didn't unload the dishwasher. Like I told you to unload, you know, your wife's not going to, maybe she'll do it once, but then she's going to like, I'm never doing this for you again. Right. It's just, <laughs> it's like anything, you know? And, and, and I think as coaches, we, we sometimes forget that and like these are humans and these are kids and they're and they're moldable and and just to try to continue to do what peter did and like what brian's taught me at least as i try to implement as much as i can but grow close to the kid um listen to them communicate with them and when you do that you build a strong relationship and then when you build a strong relationship uh that's where that's where a kid and, and a coach i think can really blossom that's no, that's stuff, uh, yeah. that's great stuff. And like you said, to have a guy like Peter Stassley, and he probably he probably enjoyed St. Louis, right? Because he's used to that Canadian market where he was getting hounded nonstop. And then being at St. Louis, and it was probably like similar to you, like you guys really didn't have a clue how big of a deal he actually was, and like you know, a Hall of Fame player, hundred percent. And 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 his son, you know, like Paul. Like I, I'd say it right to his face. He was average, below average of a player all the way up, probably through until he left for junior around mid high school. Like, right. you know, at, at the Quebec tournament, he, I mean, he he certainly had hands and he had good vision, but you would never show up at a game at twelve U hockey or fourteen U hockey and be like, "Who is this?" Like, like complete prodigy. He right. was slow, heavy footed, a little bit lazy, hung out in the weeds a ton. Like, just <laughs> kind of like was a drifter, right? And yeah. you know, and I, I would imagine that you know, Peter probably understood what that was. And, and I think that I, I think about Paul's progression and he, he really took off when he went to go play at Omaha. And then of course he went to Denver and then, you know, the rest is history. Yes, yeah. But, 20 but years I, later in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he would, I, he would be what I consider a late bloomer. Scotty Mayfield, the defenseman from St. Louis as well. I think he played JV hockey for a public school at Webster, uh, Webster high school, you know, his, his first two years in high school, like, but he didn't grow. You know, these big, you see a lot of times these big, lengthy kids in youth hockey, like they're all wonky and they're they're just slow to get there. And, you know, it takes some time for their bodies to catch up at times. And and I think that that, that patience for kids and, and for parents and, you, and coaches alike is all just, it's really important how, how kids kind of take off and, and sputter in different phases. Hey, you mentioned also about, uh, you know, the high school, you guys had a pretty good record though when you were there, right? Yeah, our high school team was pretty good. Like we we were pretty good. But that was when high school hockey was fun. Like I loved that's high school. Hey, hockey. that's because he quit for a year and they, <laughs> they got rid of the dead weight. Yeah, they yeah, got rid- the dead weight. They got rid of all the dead weight. I loved high school hockey. You know, it was like when you're in high school, like, you know, Friday night, the girls' school. I went to an all boys like private high school, CBC. And you know, that was like your only time you see girls was on a Friday night at the ice rink, like packed. And you know, and you you run a guy over and then maybe you get like a number on remember in the old days you get a number on your wrist, you know. Now now it's all like phone, but I I remember I got a number. I went I wouldn't shower for like a week. I wouldn't even want to touch. I didn't even want to play hockey because the sweaty glove would get rid of that girl's number. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love how you met your wife there. <laughs> I actually I met my wife at Northeastern. I broke I broke the two rules. I broke two when I went to college. Yeah. Uh, pe- people people said two things. It said, uh, don't meet your wife. Don't don't date freshman year. 
Mm. And then someone told me once, you'll never meet your wife in a bar, so stay away from bars. I met her at Connor Larkin's off Huntington Avenue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they shut that place down. I know. That's a I know. shame. I think Joe Santilli snuck enough kids in the back door. They, they end up having to shut it down. Yeah. He still tries to sneak in. Even <laughs> <it closed>. <laughs> <laughs> but she was an athlete, too. Your wife was like a volleyball player? Yeah. So she played volleyball at the university. And yeah. and so now my, my oldest daughter, Summer, is like all gung-ho on volleyball, loves it. And my kids play volleyball and hockey. And they, they play you know lacrosse and they swim. And, we, yeah. we, you know, and I'm, I'm on the road a lot with the Blues, obviously. So it's really just her. And we have a great little village of people around us, really, really good friends that we consider family that help get everyone where they need to be. But I'll be honest with you guys, like, I don't know, your kids, I know they play hockey. And I, I watching volleyball, like, it is the most fun sport. I wish all my kids, if my, if my son, who, you know, he plays AAA and Jamal Mayers and Matt Lash offers coach, he's got a great little team, fun team. But if he came up to me tomorrow and said, dad, I want to quit hockey. I just want to take up volleyball. I'd be like, let's go. Like, I mean, that's how much I love watching volleyball. And, you know, and I think it takes a lot of pressure, you know, watching a sport that takes a lot of pressure off rather watching a sport that you don't necessarily, you played. Cause I have no idea my, my daughter plays volleyball. She's over there just smashing, moving around. I think she's doing awesome. And my wife's over there. She's just like like what is she doing what is she doing i'm like she's crushing the ball leave her alone yeah. i have two mots daughters is, that play mots yeah. is a v-ball dad too. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah i'm just uh i love the energy in the gym like it's just you get there and like so i my son is uh you know coming watching watches the games and i'm like you guys should do that like after someone makes a mistake get together and like yeah you know give it you know just even when you know it's a game of mistakes hockey and volleyball so but I just love, you know, watching them, um, you know, compete. And, like, they, you know, the, the team was, like, got better from last year to this year. And she was one of the captains. She's a setter. And she's just, like, a little boss bitch on the uh, on the court. So I, <laughs> I love it. Well, that's the most – that's from what, I, from what I understand, like, the setter is, like, the most important position. Yeah. So Not she's – uh, Yeah, she's just buzzing around and enjoying it. And then my other daughter's just getting going with it. But it, it's just, like you said, you know, I don't know – you know the rotations and when i have a basic knowledge but uh i'm just like yeah. more of a fan my wife and i just go and you know and cheer her on and well you know, and, and you really got to give those kids a lot of credit your, your daughters who play that sport because i watched my daughter who all she also plays hockey too with a bunch of boys but you know hockey is like a sport you mentioned mistakes like you make a mistake in hockey you can like just be aggressive and go like make up for it by doing something like, you know what right. I mean? Like you, we've all had those games where you're having a bad game, but you can at least it's in your control. You can go run over somebody like that. I know I can do in volleyball. It's like you, you miss a ball and yeah, all of a sudden right. you, you're you, on an you Island. Mean, yeah, you may not get set for another five points. You may be out of the rotation. You, who knows when the next time you're going to get it. So I get, I give a lot of volleyball players credit for having to have that kind of poise to kind of stick with the battle and every point every ball matters which is which is crazy yeah and it's so it's so interesting when you when you're talking about it, it's like it's such a team sport but like when the ball gets hit to you you have to execute right it's kind yeah. of like baseball where you know you have to make the play but in hockey you know you can make a mistake and your teammate can come over and cover up your mistake at times or you can do something like you said but uh yeah th that is a good point and you know, sometimes you can see like the momentum swings, you know, 
pretty heavily in a volleyball game. Once like a team gets on a roll, it's like you got to be a leader and step up and make a play. Let's go. Hundred percent. Parents screaming. You got to spike those fucker. You got to spike. Hey, I don't. I hope I never know what the entrance to hell looked like. But if you've ever been to a convention center, Bry, if you ever walk into a convention center, when a volleyball like it's unbelievable. So I mean the dancing. The I was, whistles, the the parents, the confetti. It's yeah. like it's like the entrance to hell. So, <laughs> at the Boston Convention Center in Southie, they have a huge every year, and I've had to work it multiple times. It's mm-hmm. insanity. There's <laughs> seven hundred courts set up. There's yeah. people everywhere. It's yeah, it's it's a wild scene. But let's get what's back going on, on the what's going let's on get with back Southie. On the what's going on with Southie really quick? Southie's like a great neighborhood now. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, Bre- it's, Brendan Walsh used to send us to Southie my freshman year to box. We used to beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, we go from like two a days to go box. Yeah, and then he'd send us to Roxbury to like help out with like some like <laughs> underprivileged like people. Yeah, and we were shot i had no energy to party or do anything my freshman year but i guess they were trying to build something different there yeah <laughs> yeah welch's gym yeah it was at yeah he used to bring you guys to peter welch's that's who it was didn't, didn't yeah. you guys do workouts like on the ice like bring racks on the ice and have like boxes would... stuff out there and everything too? no the rumors got a little out of hand we would crow. We had remember like so. Greg came in and he like brought in a lot of his own guys. I was his first recruit, and yeah. he brought in. So we have like we have like fifty guys, and we're like we can only have twenty guys dressed. What's going on? So we had oh, yeah. two groups. We had two groups. Right out. So we basically skated. We come off, take off our helmet and skates, and we like would work out with Walshy, and then we'd be like shot in our in our equipment. We'd be in full equipment doing squats. Yes. and then we like half would go to Southie to like box, and we would kind of learn. But then we would we would spar against each other, and it was just it just broke out into hell. Like people were like trying to kill each other, and then the other half would go to you know the Roxbury, like you know I think like, like some of the project areas and like help yeah. out over there, which was just yeah. it was it, it, it was eye opening for sure. But yeah. you know Greg Greg was trying to change the culture there, and now you look at Northeastern the way they have yeah he set the standard like he started oh, he started the the getting he, he, things back on the rails there he blew it open like he completely blew it open and he mm-hmm. got some good recruits some good some good guys coming in and you know but again you know you start to you want to change a culture and you want to change something i mean the northeastern was like a bankrupt place like it was not much going on over there anymore and yeah. he turned that whole thing around jim madigan took over and uh from him and then they kind of built from there and you know o'keefe obviously from there and so you know just obviously it's a great program now where you know i think at the beginning you know i know you know mike you went to bc and it seemed like from when i I mean i wanted to go to bc as as a 12 year old i thought bc had the coolest jersey i just love the eagle so i mean obviously there's a lot that it's tracks kids at bu bc harvard unh obviously where you and brian but northeastern was they always got the scraps but now it's almost like the opposite like kids want to go there which is which is great to see yeah. yeah, so Coach Cronin was my um, 16 national team coach. Yeah. And uh, World Juniors as well. And it was just, you know, intensity. But, like, I had him, like, through, like, these – it was called, like, mass satellite. I mean, he, yeah. I learned so much, like, even just because he, he cares. He understands, like, what's important, like, to even, like, small little – it was, like, the first time I heard about, like, false information on a two-on-one for from the D side. You know, mm-hmm. Like you're just trying to, you know, give them a little false information, even though you're taking the pass away, you know, just give them a little 
something that was and i was like 12 years old and yeah. as this, you know you know you progress and then he's on the in the national scene whatever it was it was really cool to see you know he was so progressive and that was like through uh sean walsh and Stan, uh graham yeah. Stanbrook from maine yeah. he learned he he continues to learn and he's always caring about development over just results but he wants both at the same time you know like so for example going through some some tough times with northeastern early on changing a culture was the most important aspect of what his goal was and then you you, you get into being able to sculpt and, and mold players or have players come in that already know the culture because it's already in place and then i had him just in training camp uh in toronto and he's you know he's a nut but i love him yeah you know, just like because he's just so genuine and pure and he cares so much. So it's just yeah. one of those great hockey minds he, that has like a, a real fire in his belly. For, he, for he was so thing. crazy, but, but again, like he was so fair Yeah, and you know, he would like, if, if I had, if I got pulled into an alley, I would call crow. He would be there like in a heartbeat and you, and you knew that. And that yeah. comes back to like the relationship of how, you know, he was tough, but, but you loved him and you, and you do anything for him. And that's why I think he's going to do, he's going to do great things in Anaheim. But to your point about, he, him having a way about him, uh, he's has experienced so much. I remember one time I came to the rink and like he, he was, like you mentioned the false information. No one ever coached me to go stick on puck before mm -hmm. college, like stick on puck. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Stick on puck. And he finally he kept on nose. <laughs> yeah. Video, video, video. And I, I kept like going to hit a guy. My stick would be way up here and I would like follow through. He's like, keep your stick down. Cause you may be able to finish the hit, but get your stick down. I come in and our trainer, he wrapped five pound plates on the bottom of my stick to keep it down. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I go, what the hell is this? He goes, coach crow wanted me to put those on your, on your stick. I go, is like do, like, do I take him off now? He's like, no, you have, I had to practice <laughs> for 40. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was like, <laughs> and, and I talked to him afterwards and I'm like, I'm like, crow. He's like, he's like, Joe, when I was herding sheep in New Zealand, yeah. and he starts telling me this whole story about these sheep dogs in New Zealand. And I'm just the like, sheep dogs and the angling. Yeah. And I'm like, and he's like, do you understand? I was like, I'll be honest with you. When you told me, when you said, when you were herding sheep in New Zealand, I completely stopped listening to every. When the hell were you in New Zealand herding sheep? But that's him. Like he's been everywhere, and he's yeah. got all these like life experiences that now he's figured out a way to like channel into the sport of hockey and communicate it in a well that in a way that actually makes a little bit of sense. That's Absolutely. unbelievable. Yeah, I wanted to to rewind it a little bit and talk because you know we were just talking about everything, but like that year. So you said kind of all right. You, you took a year off or whatever. And then like, how did you, we look at the USHL and you want to talk about how hockey's changed, right? Like the yeah. USHL uh, was a place that after you played your four years of high school, you would go as like a PG year. And now you're seeing it, you know, kids go there younger and younger and the competition is getting, I mean, it, the, it's phenomenal, right? It's a phenomenal league, but what was the process like for you kind of going there? And then, you know, I guess that can lead into like how you made the decision to, to, go to Northeastern, your recruitment and, and all that. Right. I think Brian, I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't, I haven't really visited this in a long time and I'm, I'm really glad you brought it up. It's a great question. I went to go to play in Sioux Falls for a year 
And it was really my only year of eligibility. And then I needed to kind of make a decision. So I, I remember reaching out to, you know, BC and Minnesota and all, you know, all the big schools every kid wants to go to. And I really got nothing. I think I got like a one for four at Bentley. I got one on one visit that year. And I was just like, ah, I don't know. So after that year was over, um, I told my mom, I was like, well, I don't, I don't really have anything. I think I'll just come home and work, work for my dad who owned a concrete company he owned the same concrete yeah. company. Cause he's been like, he has no idea what's going on with hockey. He's like, he's old school Italian. He's like, Joe, when are you going to stop this bullshit hockey? Come, you know, we, we need some finishers. We need some laborers. We got, we got, we got roads to pour, you know? So I'm like, dad, 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 give me, let me, let me, let me see this out. And, but if you rewound before that summer, so remember, remember the name Chris Imes, he went to Maine. Yep. Stand out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great player. Yeah. yeah awesome player. Defenseman, right? Yeah, defenseman. Number, number four. Yeah, yeah. number four, righty. Played with Korea, of course you know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, came, he he played he played uh, or he came in a month left in our junior season to kind of help out because one of our coaches like just quit. And I remember Chris was so awesome. And my exit meeting in Sioux Falls, and this is when I really had nothing. I'll never forget talking to the coach and it was Mark Kaufman at the time. I don't know if you remember the name, but he was kind of a goofy guy, good coach, but just a little like socially awkward. Uh, and I was, I never really connected well with him. So we're having this conversation and Chris, who, who was a pretty quiet guy. And this is kind of his first coaching gig. He had a couple of kids. He just stopped playing pro. And I remember like, he's like, Mark goes, Hey, you got anything else for him coach? And, and Chris kind of looks at me and I kind of turn my, I look at him. I'll never forget the, his face he made. And and I, I got to be, it's, it's hard for me not to get kind of choked up and emotional, but he said, he goes, Joe, honestly, like, I think you can play in the NHL. And, and, and I will never forget that. And I remember like how low I was, like I had like an okay year and I was just like stunned. And he was like, I mean it. Like, I think you got all the tools to play in the National Hockey League. I've seen it a lot. You got something special about you. And I don't know if he just said that to every kid that came to that office. I, I have no idea but but I like I literally believed him, and I remember like that feeling of like oh like, and yeah. I think that's it's an important story because you know we've all been there. Like sometimes you just need someone who believes in you and someone who can like say something, whether it be your you know your parent for your son or a coach to a to a kid that's maybe on the fourth line and just kind of down and out. Like a little little a little pick me up, a little little hey, I, I see greatness in you. It can go a long way. It went a long way for me in that moment. And then I fast forward two months later, Chris Imes was the one that called Greg Cronin because Crow just got the job at Northeastern. And he's like, and Crow was like, hey, I don't know what's going on with the kids we have. Do you got any guys you know? I was like, hey, you might have this, this, you might have this diamond, the rough kid. I coached him in Sioux Falls. I don't think he's doing anything. He may be going back home to work, but give him a buzz. So it was Brendan Walsh and Gene Riley who got me up there. I didn't even I didn't even know where Northeastern was. I swear to you. I'm like, sure, sounds good. And then I found out it was in Boston. I'm like, perfect. Walsh, of course, rolled out the red carpet. We were like on Fenway Park. I mean, he we went to the North End at Dolce Vita with Franco. I mean, we had the he he, he, he sold it. He sold it so well. And and of course, if as you guys know, Crow, he uh, he, he didn't realize you had no other options. He didn't. He, I was like, if you if you really knew, like all you need to do is just say, hey, like we want you to play here. I would have just said yes. But anyway, he like, he rolled it all out and you know, he probably broke every like recruiting rule in the book. Like, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, sounds a lot like Walshy, but he was just an awesome dude. And, and Crow was great. And Gene was great. And, and I was like, sure, it sounds good. I really had nothing else. And so that's kind of how it all, all happened for me in Northeastern. That's unbelievable. I, I didn't realize all that. That's unbelievable. And going into it, 
um, you know, you get there and obviously you say this, the, you know, the culture change. And I mean, you can tell right away, like I played for Gene Riley in the mass satellite program. And then I was actually going through all the assistant coaches that you have, like talk about some Boston yeah. kind of legendary dudes, right? Between, yeah. Uh, Albie, Albie, yeah. Walshy, uh, Brendan Flynn, yeah. right? Sean right. McEachern. He had Sean yeah. McEachern there for a year. McEachern was awesome. They even have Joe Santilli listed as an assistant coach, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. But I mean, I, I definitely think he, he, you know, he could get the boys going, right? Yeah. But um, no, you like the, that that culture that that Crow was was building, right? He knew what he was doing. He had a plan, and you know, Boston people. There's a lot of Boston people that have like that kind of personality, right? And yeah. like he he knew what he was doing. He did. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I, I'm not. I'm not from Boston. I went to school in Boston. I, I love revisiting Boston. But there is something really special about the people, especially the hockey player. I, I'm always gra- I always gravitate towards the Boston people, and I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's because I'm like you mentioned. I've had so many grooming coaches that have been from the area. I, I think I just love that hard nosed, honest. Um, just presence, you know, they all got that presence about them. But even like when Kevin Hayes got, you know, dealt here to the blues, like the first day of training camp, I'm like, Kevin, Joe, he's like, Hey, and he like just <laughs> with a big smile. And, and you just, I mean, whether it be Santilli, I mean, it's just the name, the names go on and on. It's just, there's certain, there's a personality about that city. It's so infectious and so special. Uh, it's easily my favorite city uh, when I travel to all over the country. Whenever we go to Boston, I always try to sort out another North End spot. I'm kind of the Italian guy on the road yeah. for our group. I try to organize everything. And so, but it's uh, it's a special place for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So can you talk about getting, you know, so from kind of being down and, you know, with Sioux Falls and, you know, I saw that you played with Patrick Mullen. I, I was with him over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, he plays with, the bees alumni with his dad and he's a great guy and he's a great player. Like he can awesome. still move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you move on to Northeastern and then, you know, your draft year, you know, I think there was, was it after year or going into your freshman year or was it freshman, freshman year? It's going into my freshman year. Yeah. So can you talk about that kind of experience and, you know, you're going from going back to, you know, work with dad possibly to, yeah being drafted and you know going to college and kind of finding your way that way but could you t- talk about that that uh, draft experience yeah so P- patty really quickly we were we were on the same line we actually caught some fire me him this kid named justin milo it was like this uh he was like a jewish religious kid like justin milo and we'd show up to the rink and he just like wouldn't be there we're like where's milo it's like oh it's like a jewish holiday he doesn't play on jewish holiday so we like we, would, we wouldn't have a winger so we have to call up a d to play on our wing and stuff it was crazy <laughs> and uh but when milo showed up we were a hell of a line um, <laughs> but uh so Patty, me, and Justin, our line had like that was when the movie or the show The OC was hot. Remember that show? With oh like yeah, Bill? God, yeah, that was yeah, such a yeah, good yeah. show. Great show. So we'd have like line meetings every Monday. We go to dinner and we sit back at Milo's house and watch The OC. But no, Pat was Pat was a hell of a player. He was so and he was so like nonchalant about yeah. it. Like he just like was just very cool and never got too excited. Um, but that was fun. So yeah. So then I I'm in Minnesota. So I I end up you know, doing my thing with Northeastern and I'm like, I got to kind of get back in shape. So I went to Minnesota hockey camps. 
that was like yeah. a hockey school up in Nisswa, Minnesota. Like TJ Oshie was, you know, um, yep, yep. B- Bugsy, Bugsy was a big, big, big part of that as well. So I was up there, and this is before Twitter and obviously all that kind of stuff. And so it was a Saturday night, and I've been up in, you know, doing my thing up in, in Nisswa for about four weeks, training two days, and you know, really getting after it, getting excited about the college thing, and kind of turning this thing around and it's a Saturday night. My parents came to visit me that particular weekend because, you know, they're from St. Louis. I was up there all summer by myself, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Italian Catholic. We go to church every Sunday. Well, I couldn't go on Sunday for some reason with my mom and dad, so we ended up going Saturday night, so we went to a mass Saturday evening, and this was the year after the lockout in 05, so they did it, like, in some, like, hotel room, and I forget even where they did it at, but we're going into the, we're going into church Saturday evening, and I get a I get a call on my little like flip phone, and it's from a yeah. kid named like Tom Morgan, who I haven't talked to like in years. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Right? Ignore it. We keep walking. We're like literally walking up the steps, and I think it was St. Teresa. <clears throat> and then I get another call from like some like a Brandon Moran, like a kid I played you know hockey with a few years ago. I'm like, that's really strange. So I sit down, and then I get two more calls. And right there, I start thinking, guys, I'm like, oh shit, someone died. Like someone's yeah. someone one of our buddies just like right. got in a car accident yeah, something I, bad happened something yeah. really bad happened so I, I say mom and my dad of course gives me the gears he's like where you where you going where you going we got communion <laughs> and uh so i step out and i and right as i'm stepping out i answer the phone it's, and it's someone calling i i'm like hey what's up and like hey joe did you see i'm like see what and it's like the, the penguins just drafted you i'm like shut up and they're like <laughs> yeah i'm like holy crap no way so then so we like jet out of church i tell my dad he's like he's like fuck church let's go let's go get, we gotta go find a, a kinko's i gotta fight because we had to go on the interweb we had to go figure out what's going on we, we didn't know what's going on so we go to kinko's we find a kinko's in like niswa minnesota we pull up the ww interweb and we find the yahoo article and right there it's there and it was the same year crosby and latang and so that that was it and it was a, it was a huge shock it was my last year of eligibility but there was uh again you talk about people you talk about people that were, were, were on your side and like you need people that believe in you so chuck grillo he ran minnesota hockey camps uh he's like a legend uh, pittsburgh's mm. like scout he's like a ghost he's like grant you mentioned you mentioned grant stanbrook out of maine imagine like yeah. that for pittsburgh just an old guy with so much wisdom and he ran that camp and so he was kind of watching me and i didn't even realize it but he he would watch me on the ice and and he you know watched the way i skated and and competed and all this other stuff and and he actually i would go to church every sunday uh, i would like walk this trail from niswa from brainerd to niswa it was like a two mile hike through the woods and there was this little catholic church and it was like something i just did every sunday out of habit of just growing up and i didn't realize at the time but but chuck would always go to church there too so he would always see the one camper up in the front of the church you know going to church and a lot of kind of stuff and he told me about this years later i didn't even realize it but so he was the one responsible for me you know being drafted by pittsburgh and, and again wow. just like chris himes he was just like there's something there's something about you uh, keep working hard and you know i think you got a good future and and I, that's all i needed to hear so i think it was just you know, I, I don't sit here about my career and, and, and speak boastfully about it. I, I had a lot of great people who who helped me along the way and, and helped help me believe in myself because I, I really didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I could even play college hockey, let alone pro, but uh, some great people along the way for sure. That's a great story. And you know, I, I really like the message about, you know, because we have a lot of coaches and parents and, you know, whatnot for our listeners. So uh, just that believability and like really just, you know, 
taking the time to look at someone's game or that person and kind of giving them that little extra nudge that some kids might not have innately. Yeah. No, it's uh, awesome. Uh, was it, what was it like as it, like you said, Crosby, Latang, all those guys, but were you, were there rookie camps and things like that at that time with the seventh rounders getting invited or? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure. I couldn't believe it. They did. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there were, and, and you couldn't do it when you were playing college hockey because of oh, eligibility okay. reasons. But right. my last year, right when I, right when I graduated, right we actually lost to Cornell in the tournament, and mm-hmm. I went right to Wilkesbury. Yeah, and uh, actually Dave Gove was like our uh, our assistant, one of our assistant coaches, and that yep. was uh, obviously very sad. Uh, and he was awesome to me, like so so wonderful and supportive of me. He just kind of stopped playing; he had some concussion issues. So I, Dave was the first guy I met coming out of the airport. And we went to Binghamton and remember, so I just was in college playing in Boston. We had like two games a weekend. We're playing BU as Crow would say, like these kids with these silver spoons and like white gloves, he would just rip BU. Right. So, you know, we're playing all these like, like Cushing and all these, you know, prep school phonies as according to Greg Colonel would say like false, tough, can't fight. Da da da. He would just rip these, he'd rip every organization's kids. Anyway, so I go from playing those kids twice a week. We go to Binghamton, and there's Jeremy Yablonski in warm-ups. I, I didn't have a chance to play because I came in late, but Dave Gove drove me out there. And Jeremy Yablonski's warming up with a mohawk. And oh, I remember yeah. I remember yeah. Paul Bissonette ended up fighting him twice in that game. The next day, our one of our trainers, I, I can't give his name, but one of our, our trainers came in and he 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 went down like 14 flights of stairs and like his whole face was mangled. I don't know if you guys heard about this story or not. No. So he comes in and it was just like, hey, I'm an alcoholic and um, I just need a lot of support. And he's like bawling. His face is like gone. <laughs> and I just remember like, I just like, where am I? Where am I? Where yeah. am I? And, and I think it was Paul Bissonnette at that time. I, literally after the meeting was over, it's like, welcome to the league, Vitz. You know what I mean? Kind of one of those moments. And. And then the next day, like my first game, and, and Paul Bissonnette is literally butt naked, dancing around the room like like a gorilla. Like with, I'm, I'm having a banana. I always have a banana before every game. He literally yanks the banana out of my hand and just like shoves it in his mouth and starts like doing this butt naked dance. And I'm just like, I remember calling like my, my girlfriend, my wife, at the, the girlfriend at the time, my wife. I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm cut out for this league. Like I am 100% not cut out for this league. And so there were a lot of growing pains, like a ton of growing pains to lead up to it. But I, I play like three years of that in the minors. Yeah. And, and kind of had to fight my way into it and, and fight my way, you know, to stay there and, um, you know, way more fighting than I, than I would have liked to, but you know, you, you do it because you know, you have to, you have to make a living and it's part of your role and, and eventually got, got called up. And I just remember obviously, you know, being with Sid and that, that first main camp and then, you know, being around him more and more, you know, he's, he's a special player, but I, I wouldn't, I always tell people you'd be surprised like how naturally, um, how much natural it's naturally gifted. If that makes sense. Like Gino, like, like Malkin would show up in like his, his jeans and his Gucci shoes. He'd be on a cell phone. It's like two minutes before the game. And then he'd be like, go out there and just like cut through like butter to everyone. He was like a natural. Right. But Sid wasn't a, na- I don't think Sid's a natural. Like he, he works at everything he does. I'll never forget like the first day of camp 
we got a warm up drill. I was kind of by Brooks Orpic and I'm kind of watching. I'm, I'm like hanging out towards the middle line. I don't want to be in the front. I don't want to be in the back. I'm just kind of like trying to blend in. <laughs> and, you know, he says like third in line. And first couple guys go crossovers around the dot, shot back in line. Next guy. And I'll never forget like the image of Sid, like when the whistle blew, like boom, like he just, boom, like he, takes off and this is the first drill of day one warm-up drill it's just a warm-up drill and i remember like the ice was like spitting it was like tum, 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 tum. and he's like flying and he's like building speed on this crossover he like gives a head fake comes in and just rips it right by flurry's ear and everyone like goes nuts and like the practice the, the intensity just went up because of he just yeah. brought it up and that one rep and, and i and i remember that story so well and i tell a lot of youth hockey kids that story because you know he's the best in the world because he works at it every day every mm -hmm. shift every he doesn't take a rep off he never took a rep off and and i think that that's like you know what what truly makes him so special is that he just has this 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 competitiveness in him and he just doesn't know how to shut it off like he just does not know how to shut it off he reminds you so much of Mind you so much of like Ryan O'Reilly when I was around Ryan during those cup run years. And, you know, we've all seen the videos of Ryan in the hallway and his, his just elite focus of being in the moment. Yeah. You know, I think that that's what separates those, the greatest from the, the average players. It is that, you know, the average player before a game, you know, uh, they're nervous or anxious. But if you like, if you really ask like, why are you nervous? Why are you anxious? Well, you're thinking about the future, right? You're thinking about what might happen or might not happen. But those players like Sid and Ryan, like, they're they're just in the moment every step of the way they don't have time to be nervous they don't have time to be regretful like they're just they're focused on his ball work then he's focused on his yoga moves then sid's focused on you know his pump up whatever he does and then he's doing his his mcdonald's toe drags like like that's his rhythm of staying in the moment and the best have a great way of just being in the moment at all times and that way when the when the game and the temperature rises like it did a ton especially when we went to philly like the temperature rose in Philly and, and he just got better because he was just locked in the moment at all times. Yeah. He, a great he's a message. Yeah. He's amazing. At kind of, I mean, you look at his stats against Philly, number one, you know, like it's, it's like two points per game, pretty much it's crazy. Yeah. And like, it's just such a rivalry. And I just, I uh, really enjoyed, you know, talking to say like Brooks Opic about him, you know, or Brian Dumoulin eventually. About mm -hmm. him. You know, like what's he like? You know, because like I, you just see it from being an opponent. I've I've never you know any interactions with him, but you see the stories, and that's some really good stuff. And you know, to really kind of look at someone who's one of the best players in the world and say that it's not natural. You know, there's there is natural talent there, but he works at it and he works at every aspect, and that's important for kids to hear. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, there's um, he's he's just so good. He grabbed me. He grabbed me like I remember it was like my my second year. And I, and I just like, you know, he kind of went with Kunitz. He went with guys in drills. You know, you know that like you didn't really go with like I never really went with Malkin, you know, the, and I don't think they really wanted to go with me anyway. You know what I mean? So you kind of like never really you crossed were, paths. You were looking for Milo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know if Milo is going to show up. Milo? Is Milo here today? <laughs> <laughs> I need a left winger. Where's Milo? Uh, where's my guy? Uh, but uh, I remember one practice he grabbed me. He's like, hey, you want to go work on something? I'm like, yeah, like, let's go. I was like, kid in a candy store, so pumped. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, is he going to teach me some of his, like, you know, ba -ba, da -da, so what, what, you know, what, 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 what can I do? And he's like, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's work on some net front stuff. Can you, can you be net front? 
And I'm like, yeah. And there was no goalie. It was just an empty net, empty end of practice. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to come up on like a PP. I'm going to roll around the dot. I'm going to like shoot him. I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, got it. So he takes a puck, da, 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 comes around the circle, like, like a flanker, and he snaps it. And I go like this, and I go to tip it, and I tip it in, and he stops. He like skates over slowly to me. I'm just like, holy shit, how did I screw this up already? And he goes, hey, no, I, I, don't, I don't want you to tip it. I just want you to stand there. <laughs> and i was just like this is about me right now i'm trying to like, shoot through the screen <laughs> i was like so you don't want me to he's like no just don't move like just just stay there i'm like all right i literally stayed on like i was just like this he came around and i swear to god this puck was coming right at my teeth and then went like this and went shoom, and it went just i could graze my cheek i felt like almost like i felt the wind in my earlobe and they did it again and then he whoa, went to the right side and then went whoa, <laughs> i'm like just like this praying for dear life and these pucks are going boom, 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 boom. so basically he was using me as a dummy now they have dummies but back in the day they just <laughs> used the fourth liner to get in there and just go do that <laughs> but that was my really only major hockey interaction. Was You're like, when when do I get a rep? <laughs> yeah. I was like, like, yeah, exactly. No. Is it is it my turn now and you go net front or how, yeah. how does this work? Yeah. No, I stay no. out of that. No. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> un- but he's that good, man. He's just but but it's he works at it. Like he it's 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 because he works at it. It's it's yeah, he's natural, yeah, he's got a lot of great gifts, but the guy is a complete, consistent workhorse. That's awesome. That's good. That's good stuff. Uh, can you talk about, like, you know, you, you said you you grinded and you were in the moment too, right? And just kind of not even, like like you said, you probably had no idea the draft was going on, right? And then in the American League and start grinding it out and, and you know, you're fighting, you're doing whatever it can to be a professional, right? But when you became that kind of NHL regular, right, you play eight or nine games, um, at, you know, in, in one season, but then that, that, that following year, uh, you know, when you was, you know, played over 60 games, like what was that like for you? Obviously Sid must've liked being able to rip pucks by your ears. Right. But <laughs> like, what was the, you know, like, you know, how were you at that point in time? Like, were you just like, wow, like I'm, I'm here, right. I'm in the NHL. Like yeah. what Chris I'm said to me is actually true. Yeah, no, I think that so I I had gotten my first call up game was versus LA. We end up winning. The second game, we went to uh, Nassau Coliseum to play the Islanders. It's my mm. second game called up, and I'm I'm kind of tying my skates and getting ready for the game. And you know, kind of the first game goosebumps are out of there. I'm kind of looking forward to this, kind of settling in now. And our coach comes in. And he says, I'll never forget his pregame speech. It was that remember you guys remember that old, old Nassau Coliseum? Wow, there were just dusty oh, yeah. locker rooms, gross. And he comes in and he said, All I can say is whatever happens tonight, let's stick together. And I'm just like, that's kind of a weird thing to say before a game. And then it just hit me. The last time they played the Islanders was when Brent Johnson knocked out D Pietro yeah. and caused that huge, like you know, yeah, I was, I was on that team. You were on that team. Yeah, I, I was out with my an eye injury, but I was there both yeah. times. I'm like, you know, well, this is all right. So anyway, go with the story. So, <laughs> so I'm you're like, actually I'm, on the ice. So I like started like sweating. I'm just like, oh my god. And then I look at the lineup, and it's like Michael Haley, uh, Trevor yeah, Gillies, Gillies. Yeah. 
there were some monsters. I mean, there's some other monsters in there. And I'm just thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to die tonight. Like I'm going to die. And, <laughs> and the game kind of started out like kind of like Gillies was at the blue line, like, like spitting at the blue line. I'm just like, it was like the Yablonski dreams were coming back in my head all over again. Like I'm not, I don't belong here, honey. I got to go home. I want to go home. Mom's sucking my thumb. And the game happens and it, it kind of like started out. Okay. But then like it ramped up in the second and you remember Mike, but by the third, it was just like complete mayhem. Like, yeah. like, and I remember looking on the bench, it was like Tony Granado was right behind me. And I looked to the right and I looked to the left. There was like three guys to my left and there was like two guys to my right. Everyone else was kicked out. Like yeah. we were all just all kicked out. And I remember thinking, Bri, I remember thinking like, if I finish the game on the bench, I will, I will, I will regret it for the rest of my life. Like I will regret it for the rest mm. of my life. And I remember like that feeling. And then Tony Granado grabs me and he's like, Hey, go grab somebody and don't grab a tough guy. Grab, grab a skill guy. So I grabbed, I think McDonald was your defenseman. Andrew as, McDonald. Yeah. Andrew McDonald. I heard he's a great kid too. Yeah. So I whacked he the played goalie. With and Keith I, and uh, Moncton. Yeah. Did he? Okay. Yeah. So I pumped him pretty hard. I think it was probably his first and only career fight ever. Uh, but I got, I got kicked out. So I was just so glad to get kicked out of the game. So that was my first <laughs> fight. So I broke, I like, I like separated my thumb on the fight. And I'm telling you the story because I remember like the next day we're like skating in Madison square garden practice day. And I remember like, like I couldn't hardly, it was my bottom hand, thank God, but I couldn't even grab my stick. And I remember my, 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 like what you said about Chris Himes and like all this, like you got, you worked so hard to get here. And I remember thinking like, I would rather cut my thumb off than like tell the trainers what's going on. Like that's how much I wanted to stay here. Mm. So I remember I would just wrap it up on my own. I just got it through, I think like 10 or 11 games, my call up that year. And then I got sent back down and then I of course kind of had to like address it a little bit more, but it was the feeling of like, you're here in the greatest league in the world. And there's, there's nothing there's nothing that anyone could do to take that away from you. And you, and you, you don't want to give anyone any excuse to take that away from you. Yeah. So I just remembered like, just like going through a wall for guys and for my coach and for my team and, and to fight whoever I had to fight. And yeah, I remember like Tony Granado be like, Hey, like, did you see what they did to Gino? I was like, yeah. So I would stick with Cavier off the draw. And then I had to fight Adam Hall. Like it was just like a lot of like disturbing of like other teams, top players, which wasn't really natural for me. I'm, I don't pride myself on being like an ass. Like I, I kind of like to get along with people. I enjoy people. So it was like, just, you got to get to the rink and you got to flip it on. And, and then when you leave, flip it off. But when you, get to the rink i was like uh it's like you know people talk about like um uh, like having like a super ego or an ultra ego like i really had to find that in order to survive in the league because it's it's the greatest league in the world it's the hardest league to, to be a part of but then i slowly found my groove and you know kind of disturbing other teams top players and you know fighting when i needed to fight and running the goalie i got, I got fined i was one of the first players to get fined i ran tim thomas and just like things like that that like you know I just had to figure out a way, almost a way like Cal Clutterbuck. I still respect the way he plays the game. Like he always, he's been remember, doing he, it for a long time. He, oh my God. And that's a great thing for like young hockey players, like junior rankings, college, like find a way to get noticed, like find yeah. a way. Someone's always watching, find a way to get noticed. It doesn't always have to be a goal or necessarily a hit, but do something that kind of like, people be like, Whoa, that one, that one kid, he, he stood out because of this, you know? And, and that's what you just have to do. And, and I had to find it. And, 
And I remember I started having kids. My wife, we had like kids at every stop along the way. And I remember like all these kids I had, I'm like, man, I got to make some money because I got to support these kids. And so then that was a whole nother fire in my belly. And it just kind of kept going and had great coaches, great teammates, and we had good teams. So it was, that obviously helps when you're on a good team. When you're on a good team, a lot gets covered up because I wasn't that good. I wasn't very skilled. I I have two goals one year, three goals another year, but our team was so good that a lot gets hidden in that, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think that's like important. Like we talked, you know, the other day about, you know, it's tryout season for like these high school kids and just to get noticed by a, a coach, like a good back check, you know, and then we're talking about stick on puck like earlier, you know, do something, manage the puck, be versatile, be, you know, play right wing, left wing, whatever is, you know, available, but like control what you can control. A good back check is what I always say is like, you yeah. have the ability to control that, you know, it's just work and huge and it looks sharp you know to the coaches it's like wow you know like he actually kid cares the kid yeah, cares right and yeah then it can lead into like an opportunity and maybe you get another look and that extra shift you score whatever it is but like you right. want to put yourself in those positions and um but, but that's you know i mean I, I had a similar path where like you you know you want to do everything you can to stay in that league and i always felt i was like a bubble person so it would be you know every pre- i was exhausted after the seasons mentally physically because yeah. you just had to be on like all the time and uh, wears on you but yeah, you know what you, i think hey, both I think, of you guys are banging out kids in every city too yeah. there's, there's <laughs> about 10 of them between the two years but it's also like as much as it wore on you mike i think that that's kind of like i look back and that's probably what kept us in it as long because i think once you kind of settle in and think okay you made it i think that's when yeah, then you get yanked right right exactly yeah so that playing on the edge and you know, the focus is the biggest thing. And again, going back to kids, I'm like, passing is so undervalued right now. I'm like, it also takes a little focus, dial it in, you know, I know what the shiny things that you're seeing, like on the ice here, right? And you're capable physically. So you just dial it in every single time, make a take. Yep. take pass. Yeah. Joey, uh, you know, it's getting late here, but we've, uh, we want to talk to you, you know, you obviously working with the blues. Um, you know, what is the, the, the status of the St. Louis Blues, where are they at? Obviously, where it's great to have Hazy uh, Boy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how you know, g- give us kind of a, a St. Louis Blues update. Well, first of all, Hayes never has a turnover. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I turn uh, I turn his plays into gold every. I, I just say, oh, just a puck was rolling. Or, yes. Oh, he passed. It was, he doesn't have a turnover. Yeah, uh, he's never had a bad shift. Uh, <laughs> he's always had a good back check. He's always back checking. <laughs> yeah. I, I on the broadcast, I give out a, a work boots award, which is kind of like the hard hat award, and I think he's got it like five times. You know, so <laughs> you know what's funny though, but um, he's wearing what twelve this year? No, twelve. Yeah, yeah. and thirteen. Uh, they look a lot alike. Torpchenko, they do on the ice. Yeah. Big. I, yeah, they're both like big and rangy, and I'm like, and Kevin's obviously won thirteen at times during like the first game. I'm watching them, I'm like, oh, Hazy looks good. Oh, he's good. And I'm like, <laughs> like, and you know, Torpchenko. I'm like, what? And then, and then like the next year, I'm like, Jesus, Hazy hasn't come off the ice yet. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but don't they look at like they're both big, rangy lefties? Big, big and rangy. Um, but yeah, no, if. Uh... But he's doing really well, and the team's doing well. You know that it's like a lot of teams right now; they're up and they're down. It's it's kind of streaky at times, 
Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's the first, it's the first 20 game segment. You're trying to figure out what you are. I mean, uh, this team, you know, they're, they're moving on from some veterans they lost. I mean, you lose Tarasenko, you lost Perron two years ago. You lose your captain, Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, yeah. Petro just, he left three years ago. Bo Meester had to retire a few years ago. So, you know, Alexander Steen, who now is helping out with the hockey op side, we went from like this, like massively organized, like veteran like crushing group of guys like awesome awesome guys and now and now you're turning over the reins to like a thomas and a kairu and you're looking at players like scott prunovich and colton pareko to like hey you're you're the next you're the next group you know and and that's where i think that you know for fans who get a little frustrated you have to be patient these these kids need time to develop these kids need time to know what it's like to be the guy like Robert Thomas has never been the guy. He's, this is the first year he's been the first line center. You know, it, it takes, it takes time. It takes pressure. He's getting different matchups. I mean, so it's, it's moving in a great direction, even though they're kind of around 500. Uh, this is going to be a really good hockey club in a couple of years. Uh, there'll be a cup contender again. Doug Armstrong's doing some really good things. They got great goaltending. Uh, and it's all, overall, it's just a really fun group. Braden Shen, uh, first year as a yeah. captain. He, he's a guy you want to play for. I mean, he, he just is like, you know, Hazy will tell you the same thing. Yeah. You got to, you got, you got to put a letter on a guy that guys want to go through a wall for. And, and Braden's one of those guys. If, if you had to get caught in an alley, like I said about Crow earlier, I'd call Braden. He wouldn't even say like, you know, what's going on. He would just say, where, where am I meeting you? Like, he's just that type. So yeah. he's the captain leading the way. It's a great, great team and a fun, a fun group to watch. So it should be, should be a good, a good little run here. That's great. Are you making it out to Boston? So we go to Boston, I think, uh, March, like mid-March. Yeah, so I'll be there. Yeah, so we'll have forward. to have a North End meetup. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We'll go to Monica's or Dolce Vita. Exactly. Yeah, I'll talk yeah, to my yeah. bo- I talked to my boy Franco at Dolce Vita. He'll hook us up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be done. That'll be great. But, yeah. We got to go to Modern. Modern for the cannoli, though. People always think Mike's for the cannoli. Nah, it's Modern. Modern is the best cannoli spot. <laughs> they fill them fresh. <laughs> We'll see if Tilly can pick us up and sneak <laughs> us in the back door of uh, Connell Atkins. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, plan, boys. No, uh, Joe, this has been fantastic. Uh, obviously, I think we could sit here and talk for like seven straight hours. So we're going to have to get you back on and we can catch up even more about stuff, even youth hockey. I know you're doing some coaching and everything too, but yeah. uh, we, we've taken enough of your time. You're on a road trip out in Arizona. So good luck to the team. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, this has been great. I appreciate you guys greatly. I appreciate your podcast. I think it's a great niche. And I think it's, I've listened to you guys before. You guys do a really good job of bringing awareness for parents and coaches alike uh, because it's it's a big thing. Like we, we need to make sure we're taking care of these kids and uh, we're looking after them. And it's a really important thing and good messaging you guys have. So keep up the great work as well. And I'll be looking forward to talking to you guys again down the road. Sounds nice good, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Right. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> That interview was brought to you by the Colony Grill. One of the hottest things about traveling to hockey tournaments is just deciding where to eat, right? It's the toughest thing, um, but it's really a no-brainer. Colony Grill is home to the famous hot oil pizza and the one-of-a-kind razor-thin crust. It's comfortable, friendly, and run by hockey people, so there's always a game on. If you're heading down I-95 in the Connecticut or Westchester area or you're in Maryland, Virginia, or Florida, there's probably a Colony Grill close by. Bring the team, order it up to the hotel, or even pick up a steaming hot pie on the way to the ice. You'll agree Colony Grill lives up to the hot oil hype. Find the nearest location next to your rink at colonygrill.com. Hot oil hype. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
That interview was also brought to you by Spox. Spox is the at-home or on-the-road skate sharpening machine. Head on over to SparksHockey.com and you use BY Mots for $50 off your Spox sharpener. Spox is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Spox is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you can get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head on over to SparksHockey.com and order your machine today. Mots, obviously, uh, great chatting with Joe. Uh, just a fantastic person, isn't he? Yeah, super. I mean, like I said, he's engaging. He has, you know, he can communicate what is important. Um, I'm actually I'm going to tune into, you know, some of his um, radio broadcasts now. Like, I, I would like to hear him kind of, you know, do his work because I'm always in the truck and can uh, listen and tune into uh, on the XM there to different teams. Yeah, so yeah. I would love to uh, check him out because – he definitely has a good way of communicating what he sees and what he thought was important. Number one, you know, personally as a player, and then what he sees, uh, you know, getting into the kid kid stuff a little bit there, and some really really nice uh, some nice messages for not only players but parents and coaches. Oh, absolutely! The way he talks about it and that believability, and and you know, all it takes is one person like giving you that, and and you know, how he just like took that and ran with it right and you know i played against him i played against him a, a, a lot and i watched him a lot when he played with um you know with keith right that that one full season he played they, they played together we went on va- vacation together around like the christmas holidays and just like uh a family man a hard-working guy competed his you know what off on the ice and like that's like those are the people you root for, right? And and you know that's the same way he is on the broadcast. I've listened to him, and I know when the, um, you know during the Blues and the uh, Bruins, you know that Stanley Cup. Like I listened to a lot of things he was being interviewed on and stuff. And he's just like an honest person and so engaging. So it, it was really really great to uh, finally catch up with him. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, the energy he brings, he brings to the, I'm guessing, to the broadcast. I can't wait to listen to it, but it's very important for, uh, you know, someone to have, like, that excitement, you know, to bring. Like busy. Yeah, yeah but busy is great. He's, he's he really super, is. Yeah, and, and but to have, like, the time where you kind of interject some, like, quality for the listeners as well. And yeah. I know I, I know Joe will, uh, will definitely be doing that when, when I tune in, but uh, to have him um, – have the energy and it makes you excited as a fan. You know, I'm, right. I drive a, a lot and pop on the game and, you know, it's exciting when the, you know, the uh, broadcast is exciting and, and right. that's, and they have to describe a lot of things, a lot of things differently because you don't have the visual of the TV. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to know that he's excited about his job and, and how he cares about the game. For sure. Um, and we did talk about, uh, you know, our boy Kevin Hayes in the video. I wanted to give a, a you know, a, a happy heavenly birthday to Jimmy, um, you know, as we record this on the on the 21st, uh, it was Jimmy's birthday. And, you know, I know Kevin and his entire family, they're obviously thinking of him and, and you know, saying some prayers for him. And he's looking down on, on everybody down here now. Yeah. And again, you know, such a loss, not only as a friend, the hockey community, but just as a person, he uh, you know drove to the rink every day with him when he was in Florida, and just really got close with him there. Um, but mm-hmm. had known him a lot longer than that, and 
He's been missed every day. I get a picture of him in the truck. And so he's always around. So yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, Mots. It is my hockey rankings question of the week time, myhockeyrankings.com. Uh, what is the best and worst style you've seen on the ice equipment wise? Uh, mm, I'd say, I, I think the worst when like your hockey pants don't fit correctly and they're too long. Yeah. And, yeah. and or if the, the zip is undone on the inside. Yep, that's, I think yeah. that's that's the one so, of the worst that I can think of right off the top of my head. The worst one I can think of off the top of my head was the when the all black skates came out. Yeah, like the the black blades and the black um, were they Nikes and the black laces? No, they were like I want to say they were original like Bauer comps or something. Uh, which they were a great skate and that it, it was the style. Like, I mean, everybody, uh, I wouldn't say everybody had them, but a lot of people had them. NHL guys were wearing them. I mean, Joe Sackett guys like that. I can like that, that pops to my mind right away. Yeah. And they were a cool look, I should say at the time. But when you look back at it, at the videos, no, That's, no good. Yeah. No, yeah, good. It's a t- tough look. Yeah. I, I can remember Sackett having those. Yeah. He looked I, great, like I, the Adam Deadmash, you know, guys like that. The best style, I mean, for a flashy, you know, I'm thinking of like particular players, right? That, like, you look at a guy like Madano, the way he skated with like the, you know, the shirt kind of tucked in and that flying in the wind, kind of a half, like a Gretzky half tuck. That looked pretty legit on the ice. Yeah, I, I don't think he did it on purpose. I think it was just natural, like it, yeah, it just, just natural beautiness. Yeah, it did, did float uh, and wave in the wind because he was such a good skater and handsome too at the same time. Oh, I'm uh, I was a big fan of the Fedorov too, like Fedorov with the um, you know the white Nike skates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know I if I would call that the best. Yeah, but, you know. He could pull it off. Yeah, he could. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, when I tried wearing the white Nike, the white um, Reeboks in the East Coast League, I, I didn't skate like Fedor Fedorov. No, no, I had them. But yeah, I would no, say uh, not so much. Going back to the best, I would, you know, I would just say uh, shin pads over the tongues, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, nice clean tape job. You know, if you're gonna go, say down the leg a little bit to do yeah. the bottom part it has to be across in the back yeah um and then maybe just like a, a little tuck of the sleeve up you know just to have them on the on the elbow pads okay i don't know I, I, that's so you're just describing your style <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the best uh, style i know that's the best style <laughs> i know um <laughs> you uh, called it though <laughs> you got, I think one of the other worst styles that are possibly out there are the uh, taping of the ankles yeah I did that for a long time yeah <laughs> <laughs> terrible look well, such a bad look dude I mean I wanted to be like Brian Leach so he did it and I was like yeah, oh. and I had no him. ankle flexion and no knee bend I was at the rink tonight, and a guy I coached with was putting yellow laces in his skates, too. That's a <laughs> terrible look. I was all over him. He's like, I got him yesterday for free. I'm like, you look like an idiot. All right, so so you know, to defend him, 
I was telling you I put new new steel in my um in my blades and mm. new laces, but they were free from you know the alumni equipment box and they're a black. No way. <laughs> so I'm changing them out. Uh, don't worry, I'm changing them out. But I, I did wear black. Dude, no laces. wonder why your stat line was awful. Yeah, it was black laces is a terrible look. I, I can't. Like, I, I can't I, believe you even did that. I had to tie off whatever. Like my skate laces were broken for like I don't know half a oh year. Oh my god! I, I just tied them off. That's so, incredible. Yeah. So uh, I, I put the black ones in, and then uh, you know. Didn't perform very well, so they'll be swapped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other, you know, kind of second part of this My Hockey Rankings question of the week was the Thanksgiving. Did you ever play a, a, a game, of a Blackout Friday type game, like they call it here in Boston, right after the Thanksgiving? Yeah, we played against Thanksgiving. Boston. Yeah. You did? Yeah. How would how was that? Um, no, it's great. No, it's great. But, like, you know, the question would be – you know, like, do you adjust what you eat? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah like I mean, you can't be, you can't eat like we're going to eat. No, not a chance. And I don't even know if we had turkey. Did I you think, go home and like see no, your family? I couldn't because, uh, well, Lou wouldn't allow me to until after we ate as a team. Oh, so, so there was a team meal. It wasn't a. Uh, no. Yeah. It was a team meal. So we did have a little turkey. I remember, but. Everything else was yeah. normal. It, it was, was just turkey, a, turkey sandwich. Yeah, uh, but then I was able to go home for dessert. And that's, a, where, that's where you loaded up. <laughs> I had a little dessert at home. That's where you loaded up. But yeah, uh, you have to be be cognizant of what you're putting in the body. You didn't want to be half asleep when the puck dropped. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would even think if I was a high school age kid, right, and you're playing a game on Saturday, like, yeah. I mean, I guess it's two days later, right? Yeah, they're like just, garbage disposals anyway. Though. Yeah, that's true. I guess if it was me, like if I ate a turkey dinner on Thursday and then had to like go perform and actually do something athletic, I think I'd probably still feel it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Maybe that's everything else that I'm putting into my body too. Yeah. No, yeah, I, maybe that's what I'm. Aware. Maybe that's what I'm feeling. It's not <laughs> yeah. just the turkey. <laughs> yeah, you you have one of those milkshakes and your butt jiggles for a week. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Never mind a uh, full turkey and yeah, all the yeah. helpings. Um, all right. Well, uh, great episode. Great catch up. Hope everybody has a uh, a great Thanksgiving. And just a reminder that this show is presented by Bet Online, and it is time to cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle jersey. Oh, 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 oh,